the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Better Life with Dr. Mary Ann Pinkston. Join Dr. Pinkston today as she teaches you how an integrative approach to health, combining holistic and contemporary medical information, can lead you to The Better Life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Mary Ann Pinkston. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to The Better Life with Dr. Pinkston. I am Dr. Marianne Pinkston, and I have had a guest with me for a couple of shows now, and this will be our third, I think, and that is Mr. Kyle Sinclair, who uh, works out at uh, Warm Springs and does some uh, fun uh stuff out there, but is also running for Congress now, and so got a busy plate, and uh, we've always been glad to have him on, because we get to talk about some topics, I think, that are a little bit more uh, politically driven and uh, shaping medicine and things today, so we're going to do that again. Welcome. I'm glad to have you you back again. Thank you for having me back. Absolutely. Glad (laughs) to be back. Welcome in. So, I know you've been uh, busy lately, Mm -hmm. and uh, I've I've been to a couple events and things, watching Mm -hmm. you and having a good time. Well, How's everything going for you? It's it's tiring, but uh, you know, I wouldn't ask for any other way. I, I uh, truly enjoy getting to meet great people, talking about you know tough subjects, and, right. and you know when you put yourself out there running for Congress or any right. any type of elected position, I um, mean you, you're it's it's tiring, but um, again, you you get to be able to talk to people and, and realize these are tough situations. So a lot of the stuff I share and talk about are. Stuff I'm dealing with, my family's dealing with, my Absolutely. neighbors are dealing with, you're Absolutely. dealing with, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. And that's why I love having you on, too, because uh, that is uh, that's something very down-to-earth. You've been in the medical field for a long time. Yeah. How many years almost, have you been? Almost 20 years. Almost yeah, 20 so years. So I was a medical service officer for the Army National Guard. I have a bachelor's and master's in health administration, and I've spent some time in acute and post-acute right. uh, health care. So I brought, brought about 20 years. That's uh, about the same amount of time I've been yeah. in, too. Yeah. So <laughs> we're getting old, I think. <laughs> to, say, to say 20 years, that's like a mark where you, you get. Where you gain a lot of respect, I think, about what you're doing, and and so good. Well, I know there are probably about a thousand topics uh, that we could land on. I think something that's kind of near and dear to my heart lately. Uh, Now that maybe we're getting past COVID and everything a little bit, but uh, uh, is mental health and uh, something in Texas that I think is is very. very in in need of attention and hopefully we can turn and start to focus on some other issues besides covid at this point mental health is one of those big issues that uh, i pay attention to what uh, what's the latest and the greatest yeah i mean I, I, you know that's a that's a tough one not only is it just a a local community problem when you see you know people on the street obviously you can tell something is not right with them it's it's uh, overrun you can't find physicians but it's a that's a national epidemic. It is, yes. And it's a taboo subject in our country mm-hmm. where we don't talk about it. We don't discuss mental health. And whether that's low-level anxiety all the way to schizophrenia, bipolar, and you're off meds and it can only be controlled. I mean, so you have a lot of varying different things. And, and I've had experience and exposure uh, with that level, but it's a uh, very much needed service line in this country. Honestly, Absolutely. it's it's an epidemic problem. It yeah. is a growing, growing problem where you have... Again, whether it's a PTSD vet that's on the street or yes. people out their meds are on the street, you see a lot of homelessness um, associated with that. They just don't have the stability and capability to 
to function in a normal society and hold a job that, um, you know, we, we've got to do better as a community. We've got to do better as a medical profession, as a community. Absolutely. Um, and, and discuss it openly. Right. Um, with that. So. And I think, too, um, the trend that I've noticed, so if, uh, if you look at it from a position that, uh, that I've been in, the trend that I've noticed is that with, you know, physicians not being paid well from insurances, this is not something that's well covered by insurance. For one, there's a lot of people who don't have insurance on top of that, so there's not a lot of places for them to go. But I noticed that there are a lot of psychiatrists now who have, who are going more into hospital work or private pay, and so it's hard to get care for people. It is something that I've had to develop quite a good um, love for psychiatry and work with myself on my patients. I don't refer to psychiatry a lot because I can't get patients yeah. into psychiatry. And then if they don't have insurance or if they're more at the government payer level with Medicaid or whatnot, you know, it's it's virtually impossible. They have to go to the to the center, you know, and yeah. uh, it, it's really getting tough to find good, good care. So I'm having to burden a lot of that. There's only so many people I can see a day of it too, I, I, right? I agree. And the other aspect that we didn't touch upon is opioid abuse, right? So sure. a lot of those go hand in hand. And so as a physician, you've got to address both of them, right? right. You have to have the insurance has to address both of them. But it's a problem. I mean, I, I know patients have a three-month waiting list just to sometimes see longer. a physician. Sometimes yeah. longer. Sometimes longer. And and again, those are the that's the, 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 the medical group of patients you don't want not seeing a physician. <laughs> and it's very right? nice. Yes. I mean, again, <laughs> yes. mental health can be controlled in, in several ways, but one of the biggest one is medication. Yeah. And the way you get medication is through physician, right? right. So um, there's, there's a lot of things that impact it, but it's a, it's a tough subject. It is. It, and, it, and it's, again, it's a taboo, right? Who wants to say I have a mental health problem? Yeah. Uh, you think it would who, have who changed Who wants to say that time, I, have a, really? I have a family yeah. member that sure. struggles with mental health, sure. right? That's the taboo problem is that we don't address it openly um, and, and, and help people. And so it's kind of a hush-hush thing, and we don't really address it. If you share it, it can impact your job. It can impact your income. Absolutely. Right? So there's a lot of factors that go into mental health. Right. And, so. and as it develops, so with COVID, <clears throat> another, a new, um, new trend I see now is the, with the telehealth platform. Yeah. As a lot of my patients now have, and this could be good, it could be bad, but a lot of my patients have opened up to a telemedicine uh, front where they go to talk to somebody who they have never seen, as opposed to having me for their physician of 15 years, to get their medications for mental health and whatnot. And that that is something that, it, like I said, could be good, could be bad. It could be an, an uh, outlet for maybe a little bit, uh, something cheaper for them. But on the turn, patients can't afford their medications because they're so expensive. A lot of them don't go through their insurance, and, uh, you know, for it. And there's a lot of uh, medications that aren't accessible and the cost of it. So there's just different branches now starting to take off of it, new problems. And it, it is a complex system. Healthcare in general is a complex system, right? And, and I was, as I was walking up to do this, I, I was thinking to myself, there's a couple things that I, I thought, essentially, it doesn't matter what race you are, it doesn't matter any party affiliation, what part of the country, what sex, right? it does not matter. Right. Everybody in their life will experience healthcare. Right. That's how complex it is. Right. So everybody will touch it. Um, and, and again, I've shared multiple times on the show, we have the best and the worst healthcare system in the world. Absolutely. We That's do. the only way to describe it, the best it's, and it's, the worst, it's, right? It's complex. I have you know almost 20 years of experience. We do share that. I have multiple degrees. And I still don't understand healthcare. Sure. In America. Right. And and so it's tough. So you, so you imagine a patient who has a mental health problem, who's on and off drugs, who doesn't understand the system, 
how are they going to figure this, navigate it? Right, right. And who doesn't understand this? You're right. I, again, like you, I've done this for 20 years. I still don't understand. And it, it's it, in constant evolution. It is. So with the constant changes, it's something I can't keep up with. Yeah. And and so it is. It, it's become very difficult. I feel like, you know, you, you mentioned trying to get into a position it being such a long time. You know, there was a, a, a time over the, uh, the COVID epidemic where I couldn't get a patient who was either having a heart attack, that was one I had, and another who was in DKA or, or diabetic ketoacidosis, very, very severe, uh, um, you know, uh, emergency, and I couldn't get them into the hospital because of the hospitals, you know, being full yeah, or whatnot. Yeah. But now that, you know, we had to put off having patients in for some of their surgeries and, and uh, whatnot due to now the backlog is yeah. I can't get somebody in for a doctor for up to six months now. That was something, you know, rheumatologists I try to get a patient into, you know, they're on a six-month waiting list at yeah. this point. So the accessibility is, is tough. It, it's tough, and then, and then some of it we did to ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. During COVID, you had people were scared and didn't want to go see their physician, mm-hmm. and so they waited and they waited. I know cases in, here in San Antonio, people waiting diabetes-wise and end up getting amputated limbs, right? right? And so, so you have some of those dynamics going on. You have some group of population in our country and in our city that use the ER for their physician, Absolutely. right? So there's yeah. some cost factors. Sure. There's some physician factors. Um, you know, there's there's the governor with the his executive order stopped all elective surgeries exactly. during a period of yes. high, um, high COVID cases in the hospital. Yes. So... Yeah. You know, there's a lot of complex issues that go along with, and then you had a, a, a national pandemic or international um, pandemic, and on top of that, it just it put a lot of uh, hurt on our system. Yeah, it sure did. Um, so, and, yeah. and, and in addition to the hospitals, right, when you put that and you have the need for taking care of patients that are sick and you don't have elective surgery, you saw what it did financially to hospitals. Absolutely. It decimated our health care system. They had to be saved by the federal government. Right. So we have a lot of complex, high-level complex, and obviously very close that personal issues but there's a lot of a lot that needs to be fixed Absolutely. and again that's part of why i'm running for congress right i shared earlier that in congress there's 435 members of congress only 15 on the republican side that have any health care experience mm-hmm. that's like four percent right. right they deal with 20 percent of our gdp that's spent on health care exactly um and, and there's complex issues that's why i'm talking to the american medical association and the Texas medical association because of that you, we have to have people that have experienced it dealt with it go up to congress to help write laws to help physicians and patients navigate and make this regulatory burdensome less exactly. so that we can facilitate our, our own needs. Yeah, the regulatory burden has, um, you know, has become an issue that I think with physicians, and we've talked about this before, so I hate to keep bringing it up again, but it's such a huge part of it for burnout, yeah. you know, losing good physicians into, you know, the system because there's, uh, you know, just really over-regulated, this over-regulated, underpaid, and I don't know what industry doesn't feel that way, you know. Uh, I think we all feel that way no matter what industry That's we're every in. every industry that. who has government involved. <laughs> exactly. Because, because the, real, the free market doesn't do that, right? The right. free market finds the easiest place to make the most money and the best thing for right. the organization right. and, the, and, the, and the customer. Um, healthcare doesn't. I mean, it's a tough subject, too. You want some you want some oversight to ensure physicians are practicing right, hospitals are practicing right, sure. facilities. But at what point do you go over and, and you hurt what's right. going on. You Absolutely. hurt innovation. You hurt physicians causing burnout, right? I know right. physicians that are leaving taking insurance patients, Medicare patients, because they're going cash base mm-hmm. because yeah. they, they don't want to mess with the regulatory burden and Absolutely. trying to recoup and having to fight for the money, the service they've already provided. And just like any business, cash is king, and that's in healthcare too. It's a exactly business. Exactly right. Well, I, you know, I am one of those that have considered doing that. I've considered moving on to, you know, concierge style, mm-hmm. you know, practice or cash only, but... 
you know, I feel very, I think at one point we tried to do that and I, we approached about 400 uh, different patients that had been with me for 15 years. None of them wanted to convert over, so we abandoned it because I can't see leaving these people I've been taking care of for 15 years. I just can't yeah. do it. But it puts me in a very bad position because then I am unable to, you know, meet the demands of my family. I've got uh, two kids that are going to be in college at the same time yeah. and one that needs a car. Well, <laughs> so, and, and I hear, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm heading towards that with my kids. But I'll share a personal story. My physician tried to do the same thing, but it was in addition increasing her. And I had to pay the copay and to pay the doctor. Oh, sure. by the way, I had to pay an extra physician. So right. for me, I was like, that doesn't work for me. Now, right. now will you see this physicians do a monthly fee and it doesn't matter how many times it called it doesn't mm-hmm. matter so there's a little bit i think from a business kind of standpoint membership almost it really, is exactly right? what it's it that, is yeah that's exactly what it is and so right. the problem is you can't put that burden onto the patient without an added service or a benefit to the yes. patient right because for me it was it wasn't an added service and i got nothing more out of it and so sure. i found a different physician right exactly and i feared that that's what you know was so. going to happen i didn't want to like i said i didn't want to abandon these people have been with me for so yeah. long i know them so well and I, I give them my best but you know survival is is getting uh is getting tougher and i've never wanted to go into any you know corporate um you know medical situation where i'm hired as an employee because it really takes away a lot of my not only a lot of my choices about my life you know if i need to take a vacation or a day off or something but it also would mean that i would have to follow their cookbook you know, it all is, of their algorithms yeah. and that would take a lot of freedom of, the, of practicing the art of medicine. That is something I have really, really uh, argued lately is that we are getting in too much of a recipe style, cookbook style, algorithm, whatever you want to uh, describe it, of uh, practicing medicine. We've lost that art. We, we have. And, and you're seeing, you know, at some point there was best practice scenario that went on, ACO started getting involved sure. and a bunch of other uh, type scenarios, but it is, and, and unfortunately, we're in the dying breed of uh, private practice. Absolutely, I'm still been, hanging on. It's been my... dying for, and, and we have <laughs> yeah. we have several big ones in San Antonio, but mm-hmm. it is a dying. You join a group, or you join a sure. medical practice, or you join a large organization uh, to cover that that burdensome cost. But and it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. It is, it is very unfortunate because yeah. we we've lost that uh, that 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 practice here in America. Yeah, and so, that, that makes me really sad. I think about it. when I was uh, a kid, I lived next door to my physician. We lived in a town of 1,500. I lived yeah. next door to my, my physician, you know, yeah. and, and uh, he was at all the baseball games. And, you know, you go to his office, and it was just him and one person there answering the phone sometimes, you know, yeah. for the most part. Still wrote on index cards for his medical records. Yeah. and so but, it is. But, but in other countries, so it's interesting you share that because most of those primary care physicians in other countries put a huge emphasis on that. They mm-hmm. call them GPs, general practice physicians, right. like Europe, right? Um, here in America, again, our emphasis is not on preventive primary care it's more on catastrophic acute exactly level. and that's why a physician can come again I've, I've always prefaced i'll continue to say i'm not a physician i just have worked around and have hundreds of them that are friends but you can you can be a primary care physician and make an x amount of dollars or go to a few more years of school and make three times as much right. what are you going to do yeah <laughs> and that's what you see so we have heavy right. specialty and access to it. I can go to a neurosurgeon to a cardiologist cardiothoracic surgeon to sure. a vascular surgeon and it's tougher to find a primary care. Right. It makes no sense, right? It just makes well, no sense. Though. We tried to flip it. People follow the money. Right, they do. Well, and, and, I don't blame a, them. and I don't blame them either. So I went to uh, see a urologist not too long ago, and his fee for just the evaluation was 350 and I think that was with a professional courtesy on top. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if somebody comes to see me, I'm 150 which I do that on purpose because the place I'm in, side of town all, but it is, uh, you're right. It's complex. And it's, uh, it's it's complex. scratching my head thinking I either should have been a veterinarian or a dentist or a specialist of some yeah. sort uh, or a plumber. 
So yeah. <laughs> I just all the way around. I went into the yeah. I went into the wrong field somewhere. But I love what I do. I absolutely, I wouldn't trade it for anything. But it is. It's it's uh, getting tough. fairly tiring. So. You, and you mentioned tele. I know we're running commercial soon, mm-hmm. but you mentioned telehealth. It's interesting that that one that was a tough industry for healthcare. It never took mm-hmm. hold. We never bought into it. It wasn't paid. Right. So you as a physician did. You didn't get reimbursed. Sure. It wasn't till COVID that, that it changed. found its place in absolutely. healthcare. Physician to reimburse. You saw a whole group of patients that had access to a physician. Again, it might not have been your established one, but a patient that wasn't going to get out because of COVID, couldn't get out because of COVID, didn't want to, now had access to a specialist to oversee. Absolutely. Um, And it found its place. It has. And I think it's it's here to stay. And and in some regards, I I like it. I I think there's a value in it to physician and patients. Absolutely. I agree. And it does have uh, extreme value. The only problem is... I can't lay hands on it. And somebody's talking I'm to me sorry. about it, right? And talking to me about sorry. their ear. And I'm like, yeah. is it infected? Like, well, yeah. I'll just throw no, some antibiotics. It has just its in case, limits. You know, it so, definitely right? has its limits. Yeah, it does. There's so many that circle. We'll, we'll talk about that more. I think that yeah. we'll bring that up uh, more after the break. Let me give you guys just a little bit of information. So um, you can find uh, Kyle Sinclair at Kyle4FOR. 20.com, yep. uh, but I'm also going to have information, already do have information at drpbetterlife.com, and uh, that'll be at links and whatnot where you can find Kyle. We're going to take a short break and come right back and uh, finish up our conversation on medical care in the world these days in the U.S. We'll be right back. Fatty liver is linked to two different situations, alcohol and diabetes or obesity. In both cases, patients can have no symptoms. In the United States and in particular, Texas, the most common cause of liver disease in general is non-alcoholic fatty liver. Again, associated with overweight, obesity, and or diabetes. Additional risk factors include high cholesterol, high blood pressure, Hispanic ethnicity, and postmenopausal status. At Pinnacle Clinical Research, we offer a quick, non-invasive, ultrasound-based screening assessment called FibroScan. This test is done at no cost to you, and we do not take insurance. The test will measure the fat and stiffness in your liver and state your risk and development of fatty liver disease. You will meet with a provider immediately following your scan to go over your results. If you're interested in getting more information on your liver health, please call 210-529-7978 and schedule your FibroScan today. We are conveniently located in the Medical Center at 5109 Medical Drive. Welcome back. I am Dr. Marianne Pinkston, and we have been talking with Kyle Sinclair this morning about uh, anything and everything we can medical <laughs> as, it re- as it relates back to uh, uh, all the problems that we have with politics as well. Since Kyle is running for Congress, I wanted to pin you down on a few mm-hmm. items, and I'm so happy to have you here. Yeah, thank you. For, thank you. Thank you for joining me again. Absolutely. You know. Uh, make you a regular, I think, at some point, probably. Yeah. Glad, to be back. Glad to be back. <laughs> Thank you for coming in. So I think we left off. We were talking a little bit about telemedicine. So mm-hmm. uh, what you know, there's a lot of people who don't really understand. I mean, there, we have a, a population who still has a flip phone, so mm-hmm. they have great difficulty with technology. And then we have the younger uh, crowd who they do everything, you know, on their phone or whatnot. And you were right when you said COVID you know, kind of came in and changed it up. We were really missing a diamond in the rough, I think, when uh, with telemedicine and COVID. Yeah. If anything good came out of COVID, it was that. We I, were able I to agree. change over. I agree. Well, and it, well, outside of that, I mean, it, it poked major holes in, in our healthcare system. Mm-hmm. And and we as a country, we as a healthcare community, I need to fix our problems. And, and we definitely know it's very glaring. But, yeah, telehealth is, I mean, as a hospital CEO, I use telehealth for right. physician coverage on certain certain levels that I can't get great coverage sure. um, because there's limited or they don't have access or time to get into my hospital. So we personally use it 
such as psych. Psych is one that um, there's very few of them, and so taking a physician out of their clinic to round on a hospital is a burden. But one physician can sit in their in their office and see five of my patients. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, and we bring the the device to the patient. Right. So yes. there's there's different uh, variant levels. But yeah, I th- you know, again, I think it's found its place, and 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 I'm glad that. It's now reimbursed to the physician. Right. Um, that that financial burden is not carried by the physician or the practice. I think you have, um, you should be compensated for your time. Sure. I mean, you guys are experts in your field and um, in your years of experience and schooling, and, and need to be compensated. So I'm glad that that is finally finally something finally there. Yeah. And it's taken a long time and, and taken literally an a na- international pandemic to find its place, but. Um, but definitely, definitely there, and hopefully it's here to stay. So I, I hope it is too, and uh, we'll work through all the kinks and the problems of yeah. it because it's yeah. opened us up to almost, uh, almost international, but to a national basis. I know yeah. there are a lot of patients who live in other states who sometimes pick up uh, information, some things that I specialize in, and want to see me from outside the state. And I find that very interesting that we can, you know, expand or somebody, a patient of mine who has moved out of the state who wants to visit now. Well, that's what I was telling you earlier. I'm trying to figure out the laws on that, and uh, I think we have a long way to go before yeah. we figure out how to accomplish that. But it is opening up a lot of doors. I think that uh, were closed uh, uh, previously. Yeah, and I think I think the value is there. I think uh, again, as you start specializing, seeing such as yourself, you know, physicians that specialize and are great at one thing, and, and I don't live or want to move or travel. Right. So, and I, I'm seeing physicians set aside time now. Right. Mm-hmm. Once a week, I do Monday from whatever their time is to see my telehealth exactly. patient population. So the patient population is is increasing as the value sees it, and as physicians get more comfortable with it, and as the patient population get more comfortable with it. Exactly, so, yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully it will lead to uh, a, a lot better care. I know lately, and where, where do you see us now, that, and then this may be a bigger topic than we can get into in the next few minutes yeah. as, we, as we begin to shut down, but uh, where do you see now that COVID is, quote, over, unquote, yeah. Uh, hopefully it is. We haven't seen anything new uh, coming this way. But where do you see us going as far as uh, as that? Oh, as far as COVID or just healthcare? Well, in general? I guess I, you know COVID and healthcare in general. Now, like I say, now that it seems to have passed us, we have some uh, leftover decisions to make about mass mandates and things like that. We, too, we do. So. I mean, we so what that did in, in recent the Supreme Court ruled in favor of, of uh, the Biden administration continuing on. You know, anybody who receives federal government that has to follow the the federal regulations mm-hmm. of the government and what they want to do is mass mandates and, and vaccine mandates. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. I'll, I'll share. I was talking with somebody about three or four weeks ago, a, a high level member of Trump's President Trump's team who helped with warp speed and, and the vaccine mandate. And the question was proposed to me: Did it did it happen too fast? Did he push it too fast? Mm-hmm. And, and my response was. I don't think so. Somebody who was dealing with COVID and a scary, deadly disease, and we didn't know what it was, right. what caused it, how to stop in the very, exactly. very beginning, right? Right. Um, yeah. Anything such as a vaccine or something to help mitigate the symptoms of heading towards hospitalization or death, I was grateful for. And actually, I, I told this individual, I said, you know, please, next time you talk to President Trump, tell him thank you from a healthcare professional in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm, I'm pro-vaccine. I think there's huge benefits. Again, I will always say I'm not pro a federal government exactly. mandate. Exactly, yeah, no, pro-mandate. Yeah. And, and exactly. I think that goes back to my individual choice with you right. as my physician. Sure. What works best for me and you as my physician has been with me for years. Right. It's not necessarily the federal government, the CDC, or World Health Organization. They don't, they don't, they don't look at the common good of the individual. 
That's right. Yeah. So they manage populations. Absolutely. And that populations and trends. But yeah, Correct. when it comes to me and my patient in a room somewhere, that is between the two of us. And I agree with you uh, entirely. I am very pro-vaccine as well, but also not pro-mandate whatsoever. Okay. I think uh, we uh, hopefully we're going to get back to being able to make some decisions for ourselves. I don't know. Yeah, you know, and, and <laughs> here's, here's what I told my team, because obviously the Supreme Court ruling, we had to mandate it. And, and what I told my team, and I have very... Very greatly, thing is going to be is every year anybody who works in a hospital setting is mandated to get a uh, flu shot sure. mm-hmm. unless you have a medical exemption, yeah. or you will be mandated to get a booster. And again, I've shared this, and I'm continuing to share this, and I share with the individual with President Trump is that we need to quit calling this a vaccine. It's not a vaccine. It's not a vaccine. It doesn't eradicate. Exactly, it did not eradicate the disease, and right. so it, it we're, we're tracing variants of it. We're tracing. So we're we're it's it's a flu and hopefully every year we're going to get the right flu strain and we're going to get the right COVID variant. Right, exactly. So wow. So, well, that is uh, I, I knew it was a wormhole for us to yeah. open up a rabbit hole for us to to get into. But I tell you, that is something very uh, feel very strongly about and it's still evolving. It is. Uh, I know we're a bit distracted at this point with uh, the war and things like that going on, but we still have a lot of things that we need to uh, yeah. to fix. Well, glad you're glad you're working on it. Thank and you, and but... unfortunately, <laughs> it's not a war yet for no, us. No, it's not so. not for us, but yeah. for them. I mean, yeah, we're dealing that's, with that's yeah, a, we're dealing. You know, with and, and I know a few anymore. seconds, but I mean, even even uh, you know, <clears> war <throat> and millions of people have fled to Poland, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a public health exactly. epidemic, Yes, right? Absolutely. And being able to take care of the health needs of kids and families and people, of, of immigrants who are, you know, going into another country now because of a war. Right. And I cannot imagine what they're going through. And, and even on our southern border. I mean, and southern that's border, another one, yeah. We have <laughs> millions of people flooding into America, and how do we as a country take care of it? And we have a broken system ourselves. Right. Right. Absolutely. So, big, big problem. It's tough. There's, there's it a is. lot of, and that's that's where you know you need true leaders and people that will step up and try to do the right thing for the right reason. Absolutely. Well, so. I appreciate you and working on that and everything you do at Warm Springs too. So you've, you. done, you've done a lot of great things for 20 years. We appreciate it. So, well, I guess uh, we're going to wrap it up again. So I'll give you guys the uh, internet site one more time. DRPBetterLife.com is where you can find all my information, but you can also find information on Mr. Sinclair here at. Kyle, K-Y-L-E-F-O-R-2-0 dot com. Thank you guys very much. Have a great week. You've been enjoying The Better Life with Dr. Marianne Pinkston. For more information, go to drpthebetterlife.com. That's drpthebetterlife.com. And listen next week for The Better Life with Dr. Pinkston. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.